conductive wire And you were so electric I had no say when you came so near And just passed right through me Hey everyone, before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to let you know that you can follow Welcome to Geekdom on Instagram at Welcome to Geekdom and on Twitter at Geekdom Pod. There are links to those in the show notes. You can also support the show on Patreon, where I will be releasing bonus content for this podcast and my other podcast, Chat Cemetery. You can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. There are links to all of those things in the show notes, so be sure to do that. It is a huge help for the show, and I really appreciate it. Now, let's dive into today's episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Geekdom is Back. I'm your host, Deanna Chapman, and today I am joined by Jacob Tender, and we are talking about Star Wars Myths and Fables. It is another book similar to Dark Legends, which we previously did. Jacob just pointed out it was many episodes ago, 204. <laughs> but Jake, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. I it, it, it takes a little effort to dig out the episode numbers. You don't put them in the uh, the titles. So I had to do some digging in Transistor. Luckily, we share an account. So it wasn't <laughs> <hard>. <laughs> makes it a little easier. Yeah. I just never ended up putting them in the titles. And then people were like, oh, you shouldn't do that anyway. So I was like, I don't know. I should just put them in the show notes. So I know. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Just as a reference for yourself, if anything. Yeah. I think there, there's probably something to that. Like I, we've, I've always put episode numbers in all of my, my titles and you don't really have to do that these days. Like there is, there's metadata in RSS to handle that for you. And a lot of podcatchers will display that for you. So you don't have to do it. I don't know. It's just something I've, I've always done. It's probably not great for SEO. Yeah. It's something I don't think I've ever done maybe with misaligned back in the day, you know, when I had a music podcast, but you have a Star Wars podcast. I do. Kind we're, of sometimes. We're sporadically <laughs> active. We're coming up on a year since our last episode. So I don't know at what point you call us defunct. <laughs> <laughs> it has been a while, but you never know. It has. But one of the things you and Mike never really covered a ton on Bantha Fodder are the books. So we've kind of been doing that here. <laughs> yeah, famously, famously, Mike is averse to reading. Um, I am too, but I'll do it for content. And, <laughs> but he, he won't even do it for content very often. So it was, it was hard to make those happen, but I'm happy to do that uh, here. I'm happy to produce that content for you, Deanna. <laughs> Thank you. As you know, I have absolutely no problem reading yeah. all of the books for content. <laughs> but I finally get a chance to dive into more of my Star Wars books, which doesn't yeah. quite rival your collection. Yeah, not quite. But I do have at least 50. <laughs> you you have a sizable and impressive <laughs> collection of Star Wars books. Like You have more than the average fan, I would say. Um, but no, I would hope that you don't have the number that I do. That would be insane. I probably still have more books than you overall. Uh, but... I don't know. We should look. Do you, uh, do you track... Like this is this is a book episode. People listening to this will probably appreciate this kind of talk. Do you have like some sort of like book tracking system? I have a spreadsheet of every single book I oh, own. Oh, you do a spreadsheet. Ebook and physical. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. I mean, how how in the weeds do you get with your metadata? Do you say like hardcover, ISBN number? Yep. Do you seriously? I don't do ISBNs, but I do okay. have whether it's a hardcover or a paperback. Wow. 
or an ebook just so I can filter. That's awesome. I've never gone so far as to make a spreadsheet. I've, I've used different services in the past. Currently, I'm using library thing, which I really like. Mm-hmm. I have author, title, year, and type of book. Okay. I use library thing because I can break it down to like different collections. So I do, I have specific collections for Star Wars. My entire collection is like 572 books or something. And then I have 360 of those, I would say, are Star Wars. And those are, those are just the ones I've added. I have a stack that I need to catalog. So here's a small problem. The Stephen King books were technically not mine. So those are in my mom's book spreadsheet. Oh, she has one too. There's friends in the family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because she will buy the same author. Like she'll buy all of an author. So she keeps a list to figure out which ones she has and which ones she still needs to buy. So she had yeah. started that with Stephen King because she was buying the mass market paperbacks as they were coming out. So she was keeping the list like before I existed pretty much. <laughs> that makes sense. That's exactly why I did it too, right? Like I, I'm I'm in a bookstore, like a secondhand bookstore or yeah. Barnes Noble or something. I see a book. I think, I know I wanted this. Did I already buy this for myself on Amazon? There's no signal in this Barnes and Noble. I can't look that up unless I leave this store. So that's why I, I started keeping track. <laughs> yeah. So my spreadsheet has 1,175 titles on it. <laughs> Okay, but half good. of those are ebooks and most uh, of those ebooks were like free ones that my mom sure. downloaded to read and has not <laughs> so those okay. ended up on my spreadsheet but physical books this list has 554 and then plus the let's call it 70 Stephen King books okay we're neck and neck then we're yeah. like we're super close yeah <laughs> but you have way more star wars ballpark 50 to 75 star wars for me probably we're we're both pretty messed up though <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we both have a fantastic time when we need to move yeah let's not talk about that <laughs> just getting back to like talk, talking about star wars books like yeah we we haven't been able to do that on, on bantha fodder too often we've done a couple of books and then you know you and i had done the one about dark legends uh, mm -hmm. a little over a year ago and that's cool because the, the books that you ask me to read are made for children. So they're not hard to read and <laughs> I can finish them in a couple days. <laughs> I read this entire one over the course of two nights this week. Yeah. And, uh, and that mixed in with my, my workbook club. So I'm, I'm, I'm reading a little more now, which is good. But yeah, these, these are fun. Like we'll get into, you know, which ones are my favorite, but just because we've read one of these before, we can kind of do like a little comparison between the two. And I think they're very mm -hmm. similar. I think there's a couple stories in this one that could have easily been Dark Legends books or Dark Legends stories or vice versa. That surprised me because just hearing the name Myths and Fables, I was expecting it to be a little more fairy tale-like almost yeah. in a sense. Like, And those were there. Know, the dragons and that yeah. kind of stuff. But then yeah. I was reading some of them and I was like, this is very dark. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, seriously. Like some of them easily could have been you know, dark legends stories. And maybe they're, maybe they're intended to, like, maybe there's mm -hmm. going to be like a larger edition of that. And then they got the idea for this book and they're like, eh, let's, let's just save those for like the deluxe, deluxe edition of yeah. <laughs> the second book. And we should um, note that you and I both read the Disney yeah. store version of this, which is... Yeah, that's the Gal Galaxy's Edge edition. Yeah, big and fancy probably more money than either of us should have spent on a book but that's okay <laughs> yeah let's can we talk about the book for just like a little bit just like you yes know, meta, before we get into the stories just the book itself because it's super interesting it's unlike any other book that i have um Miss and fables which was written by george mann uh same author who did the last one there are three editions of this book and 
this this kind of frustrates me just a little bit. Um, if you'll indulge my vices here, like I <laughs> I'm gonna buy whatever like the nicest version of the book is. And when we're talking about like a collection of stories, obviously that means you want the one that has the most stories in it, right? Yep. I pre-ordered the initial book because I liked the first one and I I wanted this one as well. So I ordered the standard version and that had nine stories in it. The pre-order was fulfilled and then they announced the Target edition, which is the same book plus three additional stories. And this annoyed me because if they would have just launched them at the same time, I would have just bought that copy. So I ended up getting that copy as well. I still have both. (laughs) Uh, And then after that edition was out, they announced the (laughs) Galaxy's Edge edition. Which is even bigger. It, it's the same as the Target Edition, plus it has three additional stories, and it's really, really nice. I mean, it's a super, super nicely, you know, made object. It's it's beautiful. Yeah. So obviously, I got that one too. So I have three <laughs> copies of this stupid book. I would have just bought the one. Really, I would have just just bought one of them, but they spaced them out over the course of like three months, and I pre-ordered all of them. So I don't know. That that kind of irks me a little bit. Um, but at least the sizes <laughs> of these books are consistent with. Like the Life Die Treasury, um, they are bigger than the Dark Legends book, and that kind of stuff annoys me to no end. I don't. They're the same width, they're the same, you know, depth. All the dimensions are the same except for the height, and I don't understand why the Dark Legends one is smaller. But that's the it's way it so is. It's so small. <laughs> but at least this one, like the deluxe edition, is the same proportions to the other book. It's just a little bit thicker because it mm-hmm. has more stories and nicer paper thicker nicer paper yeah it has super thick paper honestly this might be the nicest book i own (laughs) and i'm not kidding because one i buy a lot of books through like library bookstores and stuff so i'm rarely ever paying full price for a book or you know you get things on amazon and they come with like bent corners and you know i try very hard to not order books from amazon when i can but you and i have fallen victim to their buy two get one deal many many times you have and then you've dragged me into them by letting me know i would never know i would live (laughs) ignorantly in bliss you would spend more money on books if it weren't for me is what i'm hearing (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's probably true but i've now got to the point where they have no more books to offer me that i don't already have at least in the star wars genre or alien genre yeah all my my sci-fi is perfectly covered at this point i think i have one more star wars one that i want and it's the jw rinsler making of books and i do not have empire i have the other two but i don't have the empire one so i'm like i need to get that because yeah you should buy those up it's the middle one i don't have the middle one it's driving me crazy yeah you should get that when you get the chance i don't i mean i don't know like what their publishing plans are but that's i don't think that's a book series that they plan on probably republishing in a while like they'll do other books like it but because jw rinsler is gone they're not going to do like a new edition that you know he updates or something in the future um yeah i would get that whenever you can i when when i knew that he was sick uh i started buying up all the copies of his books that i didn't have yet and like the week that he passed away i had like three more of his books come to me in you know in the mail like after he passed so yeah i it's a good idea to buy that up because you just never know yeah and to that point too with editions like the galaxy's edge one you don't really know if they're going to 
keep those around or if they're just going to cycle out. And as more Star Wars stories come out, they're just going to, you know, put new books out and then you kind of can't find these ones. So I was glad you told me about this one because I remember you telling me, you know, that you had ordered it multiple times and you sent me Dark Legends because you ended up with two copies of that too. Oh, and, shoot, I forgot about that. <laughs> you know, I, I bought the Life Day one and I was like, and what if they do this again? <laughs> <laughs> well, so far they haven't, not that I've seen. So that's that's a good thing. I was actually concerned with this one that they weren't even going to sell this one online. Initially, it was only available in the parks. And I mean, I live in Ohio, so I'm not I'm not going to be in California or Florida anytime soon, especially with COVID. And it got it released during COVID, right? So there, there weren't even that many people going to the parks at that point. For a while, a lot of them were shut down. That's probably why they did it online, because they were like, crap, we have these really fancy books that we put a lot of money yeah. into. I think you're right. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have anybody to ask. You know, I didn't know anybody that was going to Disney during the height of COVID. So I was kind of concerned I was going to miss out on it. And if I did, you know, so be it. Like they, they would have chose to, to just keep it in stores, but they put it online and grabbed a copy and, and that's cool. Um, to your point, like it is a very, very nice book. And the coolest feature of this book is the binding. Like, this does not have a spine. It's Coptic bound. This is like a super old style of bookbinding that was actually used by like ancient Egyptians. Like, this is super old school style. So it really fits in with the theme that this is supposed to be like a tome of of old, you know, actual legends and stories handed down generation to generation. And it's awesome. The illustrations in it are absolutely gorgeous. Uh, mm -hmm. I compared them to the other copies and they're the same illustrations, but the paper is so much nicer in this copy that the colors really pop. The ink yeah. is a lot richer and the like the blacks are deeper and everything just looks a lot nicer. It's like it's soaked into the paper better. Yeah. No, seriously, like it it it's amazing how much, you know, how much of a difference paper can make. It's like uh it's that American Psycho movie with the with the business cards. It's exactly like <laughs> yeah. that. Like, oh my gosh, that's such rich blacks. But it's cool. And all the chapter headings have uh Arabesh titles. Um that's in contrast to like the standard or the the target editions where it's just like in, in plain English. It, it's a really nice touch. It really makes it feel like part of the world. So it feels like you're in the Star Wars universe, hearing tales from older times in the Star Wars universe. It's really cool. It's almost like you could hear the storytellers voices in your head as these were being told because, you know, you really get that feel of the kids gather around and you have this older, wiser person telling them all of these myths and fables. And, you know, like you said, this one has 15 stories. And we're not going to talk about every single one like we did with Dark Legends, just because there's quite a few more. But at the same time, you know, these aren't super long. So you could easily just pop in and read one. And you don't have to worry about you know, if you're missing context or continuity or things like that. And obviously, they have the story group making sure these things are all sort of in line with each other. But yeah, I, I don't know, we, we should talk about that. Because I don't, I don't think these constitute as canon, necessarily, because there are okay. a couple of these that actually like, kind of conflict with existing tellings of these stories in existing media like the Darth Maul one for example like that story I think was told out on in uh, Clone Wars or yeah it would have been Clone Wars with the Savage Press arc part of that story was already told 
on screen. And it does fall in line, but it's definitely told, all of these stories are told from the point of view of somebody who heard it hand down. So it's it's like a game of telephone, right? Like it's almost right, but there's that aspect of legend where things get amplified and and you know embellished a little bit uh, in order to make the story more entertaining. So there is that part of it. There's also a couple in here that um, I can't remember which ones exactly, but they were actually stories told within the stories. So there was like there would be like a paragraph or two of rapper text, and then the rest of it would be in italics because the person yeah. in the story is now mm-hmm. telling the story, which I thought was maybe one layer too deep <laughs> in the whole meta of of this myths and fables uh, collection. But apart from that, I, I think they're all perfectly entertaining. They're obviously written for a younger crowd, um, but that doesn't make any... It, it makes some of them uh, a little more kiddie than they probably could have been, but... I think there are enough in here that are compelling enough that I actually wanted more. And and we can dig into some of those as, as we get into the actual meat of this book. Yeah. One of my favorite things about these two that I've read so far has been the fact that, you know, you can just pop in, visit these places for a little bit. And I do not know nearly as much about Star Wars as you do. And so when I was reading a story like you know, the first one, the night in the dragon, it's like, okay, mm-hmm. yes, I, I know where this is. I know what yeah. they're telling me. But then there were some, I was like, oh, Glee Anselm. I don't really know where that is. I right. am not super familiar with that. And I intended to whip out one of my Star Wars encyclopedia things here <laughs> and figure that out, but I did not get around to that. But it just makes you, or at least it makes me want to dive into these places even more. And I think that's what Star Wars has done best. And I watched Dune recently, and I sent my friends in a group text a joke, and it turns out it was true. I was like, did George Lucas read Dune and go, I'm going to do this, but make it a different Star Wars? (laughs) And someone was like, yes, that's literally what happened. (laughs) But for me, the reason Star Wars resonates more is because I feel the world building much more than I did watching Dune. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, Dune, like, I I really enjoyed Dune for the record, but it is only part of the story. Right. Dune, the book, is huge. It's massive, and there's so much, you know, ancillary media, like, there are additional books, and that itself is a a very big world in its own. Um, But with Star Wars, the difference is you you have a lot more people contributing to that canon you've got george lucas who who started it all right like he wrote the initial stories and came up with the places and and all the characters that we know and love but it's been built on for decades now in the eu and the prequels and the sequels and the spin-offs and the tv shows and the comics and the books like there are just so there's so much now and everybody gets to play in that space and they, they do their best to try to keep it all online but they encourage people to you know, take little pieces from, you know, this this side plot in a TV show and add that to their book or to create entirely new characters that will show up in other places. Um, what, one of my favorite stories in this collection is uh, Gaze of Stone. And it's a story about Darth Kaldoth, who you might remember from the Dark Legends book, the Gilded, mm-hmm. uh, in the story, The Gilded Cage. It's the same character. Um, he's like a Doro Sith. And he was created by George Mann, but he actually made his first appearance in, I think, Dooku Jedi Lost, like the the audiobook. Okay. Because he was talking to the author of that book, and he was like sharing um, some stuff about this character that he was creating. 
And uh, the author of, of that, I was that Kevin Scott? I'm looking at my bookshelf trying to find it. Yeah, I believe that was a, a Kevin Scott story. He he liked him enough that he worked a, a reference to that character into his book before George Mann's books even came out. Yeah. So, you know, it's planting those seeds and sharing those bits that keep it all as this, you know, cohesive thing. And that's what allows Star Wars as a franchise to to grow and blossom and have all these little characters become bigger than they were. Like Dr. Aphra is another great example, right? Like awesome comic book character, yeah. but she was a side character in the first Vader arc of the the new Marvel line. So I, I love that because you never know where the, you know, the new character is going to come from. Um, Boba Fett is probably the oldest example of this. Like he had what, yeah. <laughs> two lines, one or two lines in his first appearance in the Star Wars universe. Well, unless you count the, um, the holiday special animation that's technically his first appearance but his first movie appearance was in empire and he really didn't have very much to say but people loved him right yeah and there's a really good documentary on disney plus about that right now um that people could go check out beneath the helmet or something uh but yeah that's that's what's so cool about star wars it's not just frank herbert you know lording over his dominion and creating everything on his own it's or or tolkien for that matter he was very similar although uh, his son has has sort of taken the helm, but it's it's a lot of people from a lot of different diverse backgrounds who work in their own characters with their own you know personalities and quirks and and backgrounds of their own. So that's what I think is is awesome about the universe, and that's what makes it so big. And yeah, I I, I could continue, but I, I I do think like this collections like these is are a really good encapsulation of that. Like there, as I was reading through the first half of this book, I was thinking, wow, like he doesn't return to the same place once you don't see the same species twice you know that changed in the latter half of the book like there are what four three or four different stories that take place on batu which makes sense it's this is the galaxy's edge version yeah. of the book uh yeah there were four stories that took took place on the planet of batu and they're all different and they all had you know their own story to tell and there was some cool like background information that you got on the founding of batu in the very last story um but still, like there, there are so many different species and and places and things that he he went deep. Like he pulled in some really cool stuff and created some really cool stuff as well. Some that I would love to see expounded into other media at some point. Yeah, and you mentioned Gaze of Stone, and I thought that was just a very good example of how the Sith think in comparison to the Jedi when they are, you know, looking for kids to train, essentially. And then it kind of comes back around to that in An Unwilling Apprentice, which is probably the darkest story in this collection. Like those two are definitely super dark stories. And sometimes I'll be reading these collections and I'm like, are we sure these are for kids? Yeah. Yeah, but but it has that core element of a lot of stories, like like fairy tales, like we were talking about earlier. Like you thought that more, more of these would be fairy tales. I thought a lot of them were. Like if we're talking about the Unwilling Apprentice, that is basically the story of Cinderella or Harry Potter. If Darth Maul was taken in by Voldemort instead of Dumbledore, fair. It's it's basically <laughs> the same thing. And you've got the Leviathan, which is another one of my favorite stories in this book. And that's basically the Little Mermaid meets Icarus. Um, you have all of these little stories that I, there's one, well, which in the Wookiee kind of reminded me of Hansel and Gretel, uh, <laughs> yeah. meets King Midas, but there was another one that was literally about fairies, you know, like, and when they said fae, like they're talking about 
you know, people or, you know, anthropomorphic somethings. Um, but that was basically just a fairy tale about kind of Patu and their big trees and how the trees were like the deities of, of the land. And that, that's like so, so abstract and weird for Star Wars. It's not, it's not what you would call Star Wars-y. Yeah. One that stood out to me, and maybe this is simply because as you know, I host a Stephen King podcast, but The Dark Wraith kind of reminded me of Joe Hill's story, Nosferatu, just because it was kind of like directly aimed at how children behave. And if they don't behave, this is a thing that's going to happen to you, much in the same way like the kids go to Christmas land in Nosferatu. So that was sort of just like a quick little correlation I made there because Obviously, I enjoy horror, so the dark stories are the ones I tend to remember, but some of them, too, are just, you know, about hope, like the sleeping eye, and you feel that in these stories. Yeah, that one felt a lot more like a, you know, like a native people story. There was a few of them that were like that, where you have these more primitive collections of humans, you know, tribes of of different kinds who come from weird backgrounds of, like, worn, torn uh, planets or whatever and they're just like finding like a simple life and they get back to that sort of you know native philosophy of looking towards the stars and believing that there's you know something up there that is is watching over you um, and you can make that you know religious as well but these were definitely more like natural based like the the sleeping eye was about the stars and then there was the one about the Ewoks where the sun was their god and, <laughs> yeah. and that was a cool tie-in to you know see 3PO when he eventually arrives and is like the the walking embodiment of their sun god um I thought that was fun I didn't like those ones quite as much as the ones that tied in with something that I knew Mm-hmm. The Dark Wraith is an interesting example of that because that was sort of a, a sister story to an earlier one called The Wanderer. Yeah. Those took place in the same planet. They were like flip sides of the coin. They referenced uh, each other in in the text. But as you're reading through these books, like you recognize certain characters. Like you, you immediately know that we're talking about Darth Maul in The uh, Unwilling Apprentice. You got Darth Maul, Sidious, Mother Talzin. These are characters that we know. We know their backstories. If, you know, if you've watched the TV shows, you, you know plenty about them and, and their story. And you've got the, the first story, which was, uh, it was The Knight and the Dragon. That one was cool. Like, it takes place on, on Tatooine. It's told, it's a story about sand people who we don't really get to hear that much about. Uh, it talks about uh, a crate dragon, which is called crate they didn't have a better name than the name of the species it was weird that they <laughs> called it singular as if there's only one crate dragon on tattooing i don't know uh, but you knew that was a story about obi-wan kenobi like that fits into what we already know about the character but then you've got the stories like the dark wraith and it's like yes i i understand that this is a story about darth vader like obviously this is a darth vader story but it doesn't have that seed of truth that i was looking for like there there's nothing here like, okay, I can believe that Vader would show up to this planet and destroy it, right? Like, they they weren't doing what the Empire wanted them to do, so he came in personally and took care of it. He broke down the walls and the, you know, waters of the ocean flooded the town or whatever. But then the earlier part of that, it's like, they, they made Vader out to be this boogeyman who, like, went after individual children and, and maybe that's all it is. Maybe it's just a boogeyman story and those things didn't really happen. But that's how the story was told. And I, I just like couldn't square the fact that you have this like big bad who, one, goes after kids. And two, then just destroys the entire town. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Something about that didn't totally jive with me. Um, 
but I, I did like all of the little tie-ins and there were a bunch of them scattered, scattered throughout here. And a lot of them relating to like Batu and the black spire and obviously all the promotion they were doing around that to get people to go to the parks. I, I thought it was cool. Yeah. And the black spire story in particular, it feels like it would be a pretty good introduction to the outpost just for anyone who isn't familiar with it. It kind of gives you this, mysterious vibe and obviously there are other black spire stories out there there are novels that take place there and this is something you can just quickly read and instantly get a feel for this place and this one is more direct in that they are literally like this is where we are yeah yeah they're very clear about building that scene yeah in some of the others they're kind of just like we're going to give you some descriptions that hint at where we are, but we're not actually going to tell you where we are necessarily. And you mentioned earlier to the stories within the stories. And the only one that really didn't stick with me is the second to last story, The Silent Circle. Like, I know I've read it, but I absolutely cannot tell you what it is about. And, you know, out of 15 stories to only not really remember one, yeah, that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> that was that was the one that was like literally a fairy tale. It was about the trees yeah. and how the trees gave life to the animals and spread life throughout Batu. It was like that's that's like the very founding story of Batu, and then that that's kind of followed by the Skiff and the Galleons, which is about Ariana Surabat, who like was the first person to land up Batu and kind of like claimed it. Um, and that was cool because that that's a character that was created specifically for Galaxy's Edge. So that is a character you can actually like walk up to in the park and ask her questions. And she has her whole backstory memorized and she will tell you. And anything she tells you is canon. Like she, there are specific facts that, you know, relate to this character's life. And the only way to get those facts is to talk to her in the park, <laughs> which I thought was kind of cool. But that's, that's another one that kind of, uh, it, it's just like a retelling of a classic fable right you've got the tortoise and the hare that's all that story is <laughs> quite literally <laughs> yeah it's it's exactly the same story and 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 that's fine because that that's what's cool about star wars it has it has the room to tell all these different stories within it uh going back to the black spire though that that's probably the best one about batu in the whole collection um i like trees being a theme in star wars you know there's the the giant black bowl on batu there's the jedi library in octu that we see in the sequel or yeah, the sequel trilogy um dagobah's cave the great tree and coruscant like trees are a very big part of the star wars force mythos um so that whole bit was great i thought the anya character was really cool i would have read an entire book about this i would have watched like a one-shot movie about this girl i think it was just super fun um it just kind of had that it had all of those you know landmarks for a cool like young kid doing big things sort of story going into the big city and you know taking down this big mafia boss on her own in the dark like it was just it was a really good good story with a great character and i'm, I'm sad it was so short one thing i would absolutely love to see from star wars is like an anthology show and you know I love stuff like The Mandalorian, don't get me wrong, with, you know, this sprawling story that's spread out over eight, ten hours, however many episodes the seasons are. And, you know, the thing that kind of started me on this anthology kick was some of the Stephen King stuff, whether it's Creepshow or Cat's Eye or even the Nightmares and Dreamscapes TV show, which 
isn't fantastic by any means of all of those. I would definitely rewatch Creepshow first. But to have stories like this just be like 30 to 45 minute episodes or something would be really cool. Even if they did it animated, I, w- I wouldn't care because I love their animated shows so much too. Yeah. I-, I wonder if it's just like logistically a difficult thing to do. Like you have to come up with all the different, you know, set dressings and everything. But, you know, they have stagecraft, like they-, they have the volume where they shoot all of these TV shows now and they don't have to really build out these giant sets because they can just project it on screen with a yeah. couple of props thrown in to make it look 3D, you know, like like you're in the world. I think it's a great idea. I mean, I, anthologies have a long history in Star Wars. You have like Tales from Jabba's Palace and Tales from Moss Eisley. Like collections like this have existed for a long time, and they've been the seeds for bigger stories later on. So I don't. I, I think that's an awesome idea, and I think that they should do more stuff like that. And I think they kind of are. I think you know we're seeing more and more from from Disney and Lucasfilm that they're pairing back in the Star Wars output, and I they have a huge slate. Like they've got a ton of stuff coming out. But it is, it's TV shows, right? Like, it's its stuff with smaller commitments, comes out in smaller chunks, and they can use that to gauge interest in different areas of the universe so they can decide what kind of movies they want to make next or, you know, what the next big uh, marketing push is going to be. So it's a great idea. I'm all for that. Yeah. I feel like Dr. Afra has to make an appearance somewhere, too. Oh, my gosh. Please. In something. Somewhere. She's a great character. Yeah. And I remember starting that Vader series that she was in and then to see her then go and get her own solo series, even though it's just comics, you know, that's not something that happens all the time. You know, we're not getting a ton of like solo princess Leia stories in the comics. So I think that says a lot as to how much people enjoy that character. And like you mentioned, there are some characters who pop up in these books that we would love to see more of. And, you know, I know we didn't go super in-depth on the book, but I do kind of want to encourage people to just read these because even if you're not huge on reading, we promise these do not take that long. No, you can read the entire book in two days, like very, very easy reads. And by two days, you mean like a couple hour chunks each day, not like the full days. So Right. Yeah. Like after after work sitting on the couch, I just I just read it in two settings. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So they aren't super long and because they are aimed more towards children they aren't super dense either which is nice and you know the copy that you and I bought looks thick on a shelf but you pick it up and you realize how thick the pages are and you're like they're so thick one they're hard to turn because they have like that alternating cut where you know like certain uh certain pages have that ruffle cut that make it look you know like older Mm -hmm. and more you know whatever more interesting but then the other ones don't and so they're smaller so it's actually hard to like (laughs) pick them apart without you know separating them with your fingers which i hate to do um that is that is a little annoying (laughs) and then even when you do have just the the right number of you just have one page in your finger you think that there's two there because they're so much thicker than a standard book but apart from that like it's very high quality yeah i kept like flipping i was like wait did I skip a page? Like, what's happening here? This <laughs> yeah, is yeah. So I just thick. kept looking at the 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 numbers just to make sure I was I was doing the right thing. Yeah, I I was doing that too because I have other books where the pages are so thin, like you feel like you're gonna rip them when you turn them, which is how my copy of it is, and it's still massive because that book is massive, so it's still like you know a couple inches thick on the shelf, and I'm just like, but these pages are so thin, I. I'm like, yeah, I can almost see through. Yeah. 
it's like I don't want to use the book while I'm doing episodes or anything. And for the most part, I did not do that with Stephen King because I would have you would have heard me flipping pages left and right <laughs> in that podcast. But with, you know, something as nice as the copy we got, I was like, all right, I'm going to take my time, turn these pages nicely. <laughs> and then, you know, and because of that Coptic binding, it lays flat, you can open it completely and it will lay flat on a table. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. And obviously, they're not going to do all of the books that way, because that would be wild. But Jake, I know there are always so many Star Wars things going on. Is there anything else you want to recommend real quick? I don't know. I'm just I'm really looking forward to more of the TV shows, you know, like they're they're still slated out for the next year or so. Um, But I'm looking forward to Ahsoka and Andor. And I mean, there's there's what, like, five different tv shows coming out in the next year or two and then there's a lot there are some movies that have kind of been pushed back for a while but there's just so much star wars stuff coming out i'm I'm excited about these books i'm digging into the high republic a little more the high republic is an entirely new era for star wars it's like an entirely different thing if you're looking to get into star wars books i can definitely recommend a bunch um, that are in the existing canon, but you could pick up any book in the High Republic and be on the same footing as everybody else because it's entirely new. So I think that's a cool opportunity. I saw that there's some news that um, Dark Horse is getting back into the Star Wars game, which I think is crazy. I grew up on the Star Wars comics that were put out by Dark Horse, like Dark Empire and you know Mara Jade and and all of those. Um, I just have a lot of fond memories reading Dark Horse Star Wars comics in the local library huddled in a very cold corner by myself, just (laughs) (laughs) wishing that they had all the copies. So I I think that's interesting and cool. I'm interested to see how that plays out with the ongoing runs with with Marvel and IDW, if if they continue those. Wasn't totally clear on the IDW part, but these will be all ages comics, so those will be good ones for, for parents to get and read with their kids as well. Yeah, I don't know. Always always good stuff to be excited about in Star Wars. There's never any lack of Star Wars stuff coming out, that's for sure. In fact, usually there is more than either you or I can keep up with. <laughs> Absolutely true. 100%. But I'm just going to recommend checking out those Dr. Aphra comics because yeah. she's such a fun character. You know, not necessarily kid-friendly, but... <laughs> all the characters are good. Like, she's great, but there's all these side characters, too. Like, you know, what is it Magna Tolvin? Am I getting that right? Magna Tolvin, her her like you know partner and and at one point enemy, the droids in that series are so good. Absolutely, like what a great the droids great are so series. good. <laughs> yeah, and as you know, because I just showed you all of my bookshelves, you know I have some work to do in the reading department now that I'm done with Stephen King. And you know the nice thing about Star Wars is that they're really good at telling fairly concise stories like none of the books that I have read really seem to drag on in any way and maybe I've just gotten lucky and maybe I haven't read everything but even if you read something like Lost Stars that was pretty big yeah but it was so good you don't really ever feel the length on the Star Wars books I think and yeah it's great well a lot of them I think the the reason for that is I think most of them have boundaries, like known boundaries, and you often will know them before you go into them, right? Like if you read Ahsoka or Lost Stars, you're going to get an indication in the first couple pages of when in the Star Wars history this takes place. Like what is the time period? Is this the time of the Empire? Is it, 
you know, the fall of the Jedi order, you're going to know when that is. And so, you know, all of these events already that happened before and after. And so, you know, yep. it can't go past a certain point because Ahsoka <laughs> disappears. So, you, you know, you, you have an idea of not necessarily how this book ends, how this particular story ends, but you have an idea of how it all fits in from the start. So you're not like left wondering what's happening next because you already know at least some chunk of that story because it's played out on screen or in a book somewhere else. Yeah. And even something like Phasma, you know, it takes place before we actually see Phasma in any of the movies because it is telling you it takes place before we see Phasma in any of the movies or shows. And I think that works really well. And I have a bunch of the legend stuff. You know, you mentioned a couple of those collections. I have some of those. I have kind of a random assortment just because I find them for like 10 cents or something. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to say no. <laughs> yeah. I I have the newer ver- versions of a couple of the Tales From series. I, I think I have some older copies of a couple and, and some newer ones. The newer ones have a very unfortunate typo in the spine that propagated to like several copies in that series. Um, you know, on the edge of it, it says that they're edited by, you know, whoever. I, I can't remember off the top of my head who edited those, edited those those books. It might be Kevin Anderson. I think you're right. I think it is Kevin Anderson. Uh, but the word edited is misspelled on the spine of the book. Oh, no. <laughs> and it's on multiple uh, books. It's not just like on, on one of them. It's Someone copy and pasted. Yeah, it's like edited <laughs> or something. It's just, it's not a good look. So av- look for those if you're if you're looking to buy more Star Wars anthologies. Look for those and avoid them and and find the dollar bin copies at your local secondhand store. Yeah, check thrift books or something. They're pretty good at having legend stuff too. But Jake, thank you so much for coming on to talk about this one. I know we ended up talking more about the Star Wars books in general, but I think that's okay too because they're great and we love them. Yeah, yeah. Check out this book. This is great for parents. Bedtime stories. Absolutely. Some might cause nightmares, but that's okay. <laughs> I don't think dude, I don't think they're that scary. I think most kids no. can handle this. I don't think kids are scared enough. This is a tangent. Can we end on this tangent? I don't think kids are scared enough anymore. When yeah. I was a kid, like movies had all of these scary villains that would literally terrify me. I would have nightmares about these, like the child catcher and Chitty Chitty Bang Bang or uh, Frollo from Hunchback of Notre Dame, the Wicked Witch. Um, everything in Return to Oz was scary. <laughs> or accidentally watching the It miniseries way too young. <laughs> I'm starting to understand a lot more about you today, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was just like on TV one day and I caught like the part where Pennywise is in like the sewer waiting for Georgie and I was like, great. This is how this all started. <laughs> well, it's a clown movie. It can't be too bad. Uh, amazing well jake thank you again thank you again for having me on